Hello, and welcome to Kickout 299. There is someone new doing the intro today, but if you listen to episode one, you know I'm the chick who is obsessed with all Japan, Jessie. And I'm Alicia. And I'm Rachel. I'm here to introduce something very special. Today is a debut of my show called Talking Triple Crown, a monthly AJPW show on the Kickout 299 network. At the end of each month, Alicia, Rachel, and myself will sit down and go through everything that happened that month in the world of All Japan. Matches, wrestlers, big and little moments, predictions, and more will be discussed. So sit back and relax as we take you through all you need to know about New Year Wars 2022. we kick off on day one which was 2nd of January 2022 but before we start we got to jump back one year to 2021. On the last show and the last match Jake Lee unfortunately suffered an injury. Two days later on the 20th of December he was diagnosed with a nasal fracture. He had to vacate the Triple Crown Championship so All Japan's 50th year was already off to a bad start and it hasn't even started yet. But he has said in a recent interview that he aims to be back by March the 21st. I think it's incredible that we filmed our first episode of Kick Out With You in December and we talked extensively (laughs) about Jake Lee's rocky world road and everything that he had gone through to get to the point where he was crowned triple crown champion and how excited we were and all the different possibilities for him moving forward. And then just like quick cut to a month later and he's vacating the triple crown. It's like... It's incredibly tragic, but unfortunately on par for for him and like what's been going on in his career. Yeah, I actually remember the third episode of Kickout, we brought it up again and you called him, I think, even more cursed than Tetsuya Naito. I do believe (laughs) were the exact words you used, um, Alicia, but it's almost a little bit destiny on the first episode of Talking Triple Crown where going right back into Jake Lee's Rocky Royal Road, so... But the news that he's going to be back by March 21st is, is super promising. Um, so I'm excited to see what is going to happen um, for him when he comes back. Because as we get into this episode, we talk a little bit more. There's a lot of different directions they can go in with him. I just feel really bad for him. You know, he didn't have the greatest championship brain. I think the way it started wasn't the way it was supposed to start. You know, with the Ashino defense, I hand on my heart. I don't believe that's the way it was supposed to start. You know, he had a draw with Kento where everyone was hoping he would win. And then he has this injury and then he has to give up the belt. It's just bad times for Jake. But it's not necessarily bad times for all Japan. We've got some exciting news with two new signees, right? So at the start of each year, the whole roster gathers in the ring. At the front of them would be Suama and the company's president. So they announced two new signees, Rising Haito and Shoto Ishino. Hayato started wrestling for All Japan in 2019 and is a member of the Next Dream faction, regularly tagging with Atsuki Ayagi. He's also signed to his home promotion, EPW, but honestly, there's really nothing on them. They don't even have a cage match link. They have maybe like one show every now and then, but it's really hard to find. 
Ashino first wrestled for All Japan in 2020 after the closure of Wrestle 1. He's considered the ace of Wrestle 1. He's now half of the World Tag Team Championships alongside Salama called Runaway Suplex. Yeah, so this is, it's great for them and it's, you know, it's good for the company. It's just interesting timing because it comes on the heels of losing people like Zeus. That's not a contentious loss. He'll be in and out. There will be some connection between Osaka Pro. He's leaving to um, start them up again and there'll be a connection between the two companies. We did lose Koji Iwamoto. We lost Naoya Nomura, which was a significant loss to All Japan. So um, while it's great to see them offer those two contracts, it just feels a little bit strange coming on the heels of losing um, that many people significant to All Japan. Yeah, I agree. It was really hard to lose them, but All Japan's always rebuilt, so they'll bounce back. And Ishino and Haito are great signings. You know, they've, they basically don't miss a show anyway, so they've always been there, but it's just great to, like, have them sign, especially Ishino. I had a really dumb, big smile on her face when he came out, and he was like, you know, announced as a new signee. I was just so happy. We also have another new signee who hasn't even started at the dojo yet. Yuman Zai was introduced by Suwama. He's from Chuo University Wrestling Club, which was also home to two old Japan legends, Suwama and Jumbo Saruta. He will start reporting to the dojo in spring. He looks like he'll fit right in. He's very, very tall. He... <laughs> He looks good. He just looks like he belongs in the main event. So I think a lot of people have high hopes for him. So I, I, yeah, I hope he can like, you know, climb to the top. Definitely. He looks great. It'll be exciting to see how, uh, how he progresses once he starts. And they're pretty good about progressing their rookies fairly quickly. Um, I've noticed, and we'll talk about it later with Riki Honda, but um, yeah, I think we can keep an eye on him pretty, pretty quickly. So they also had a big announcement. On the 18th of September, All Japan will run a show at Nippon Budokan. This was great news. I actually had to look some of this up. You know, it's super well known that the Budokan is their ancestral home. This is where Giant Baba became famous for booking these largely successful shows for All Japan. And the last time they were there was for an altogether card in 2011. And before that, the last time All Japan ran the Budokan was for a show in 2004. So this is actually really significant that they are making this return. It's really as significant as Noah's recent returns to the Budokan. So this is great to see. Yeah, I'm just so excited for this. Like, I just want to be there. Just like, let me in the country. <laughs> <laughs> you so deserve to be there, Jesse. <laughs> I know everything I do for them. Like, I'm, literally, <laughs> I'm literally wearing All Japan merch right now. Like Rachel and Alicia can like, you know, back me up. So like, let me in. <laughs> Can attest, let her in, (laughs) open the gates, if only for Jesse alone, but it would be great if foreign fans could go to celebrate their 50th anniversary at the Budokan. Okay, now that that's out of the way, we jump into the matches. First, we have to talk about a new rookie. Rio Inoue had his debut match against Dan Samura. He got a lot of offense in for a debut match, and he just looked really good. He had on purple tights, you know, he came to the ring, he was fired up. I thought he was great. Next, we're going to talk about the Battle Royal, which, thank goodness, still had the Star Wars disco music to interview everybody. It's one of my favorite parts of the year. Yoshitatsu Kingdom. Aki, Yuki, and Tachibana betray Tatsu in the end. And this will come to play later in the month. In a preview for Day's two main event, Yuma defeated Ashina with a spin kick. He got on the mic and called him garbage. This will definitely come back to bite him on Day 2. 
I saw in this match, Next Dream was a lot more violent than they usually are. Like you, Megan, on the mic, attacking Ashino, Kento, Power Drive, Suama after the match. They don't really uh, usually do um, brawls after the match. So I thought this was out of their character, but they want those belts. Super true. Definitely out of character, but still really entertaining. And like, I'll eat up any Yuma, Ashino interactions <laughs> I can get. So just good stuff. Just really good stuff. Okay, the man who injured Jake Lee, Ruki Honda, has a new look and attitude. He asked to join Total Clips after his loss to Jake on Fan Appreciation Night. Jake didn't really say yes or no, but Honda is teaming with affection. So they're definitely teasing this like future tension with Ruki Honda and Jake. I was listening to Post Pro Zoo recently, and WH Park mentioned that All Japan Commentary was comparing Honda injuring Jake to Stan Hansen injuring Bruno San Martino. And they were trying to make that comparison of, you know, Stan Hansen sort of made his name on his brutal lariat injuring the the, the legendary, the infant, you know, the, the famous, you know, Bruno San Martino. And they were trying to make that same comparison, which is a very weighty comparison for um the up-and-coming rookie honda against jake lee so definitely i think teasing some some tension between the two especially when jake didn't really give an answer about whether he wanted rookie honda in total eclipse very interesting yeah it's uh already kind of compelling and i can't really look away so it's really cool that they're setting this up and if they are setting this up but i can't imagine they're not we'll see yeah, I've been waiting for a long time for Honda to get, you know, new gear, new attitude, you know, step out of the rookie stage. I just didn't expect it to be Total Eclipse. You know, he had that weird handshake thing with Ashino on day 10 of Champion Carnival. It seemed like they would become something, but he went in like the opposite direction. It's true. I totally forgot about that, actually. It's a really good point, Jesse. <laughs> that did seem like for a while that that was the direction they were going to go in with him. Yeah, I, I remember that <laughs> Vaguely, that there was almost a um, weird, not really like a war over who was going to be Ashino's tag partner, but there were like dual storylines going on with Honda and Sawama there. That's interesting. It seems they found a direction for him now. I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. So the main event of this show wasn't even supposed to be the main event. Jake Lee was supposed to defend his Triple Crown Championship against Abdullah Kobayashi, but because of his injury, that was scrapped. So instead, we got the All-Asia Tag Team title match between Stronghearts, who were champions, and Total Eclipse. Hokuto Omori and Yusuke Kodama earned this opportunity after winning Junior Tag Battle of Glory Tournament. The four men who weren't even supposed to be the main event wrestled like they were always the main event. I love this main event. I thought it was great to have the junior heavyweights in the main event. You know, I've always, you know, gone to battle for them. I love junior heavyweight wrestling. I think it's great. Um, I loved Kazama stepping out of his crazy persona and actually like wrestling proper and getting moves in and hits. And I love that Amori actually picked up the pin. You know, he's great. I see big things for his future. So we move on to day two, which is the next day on the third. And the first thing I want to talk about is tension building in total eclipse between Honda and Amori. Honda's shoulder barge passed him on the way to the ring. And if you want to throw back to fan appreciation night, when Honda asked to join total eclipse, Amori was shaking his head, no, no, no. And then when Jake lit, left, Honda followed him and Amori was left at ringside. So I'm still pretty new to all Japan, but correct me if I'm wrong. When Enfant started to fall apart, it started with tension between Shotaro and Hokuto Amori as well, right? Yeah, definitely. So that's really interesting. <laughs> we'll definitely have to see where that one goes. 
Amori is very loyal to Jake. They're really funny on social media <laughs> about it. There's some really funny pictures that you can view between the two of them, but they are, they're very loyal to each other. So it'll be interesting to see how this develops, but keeping in mind that it was Omori that was butting heads with Ashino. And that's what started to create that, that intense friction that led to the Enfants breakup. It's, uh, it's compelling. Worrisome even, especially if you're a total Eclipse fan. So yeah, I'm a bit worried for Omori. Like I feel like seven members in total Eclipse is way too many. And I feel like Omori may be kicked out as much as I don't want to say it. Like, I love him as in Total Eclipse. I think of him and Jake as, like, a big brother, younger brother uh, relationship because they just, you know, they're great together. I don't want them to split up. No, it's fair to consider. I mean, they're they're becoming a very large faction. And, you know, with the, with the, like him creating that tension with Rufi Honda, we don't know what Jake Lee is going to be like when he comes back in March. There's a lot to consider in terms of the dynamics of the group. So... The first championship match on day two is Shigehira Iri defending his Gaura TV title against Cody Doi of Total Eclipse. It was a very short and sweet match full of action and hard-hitting moves. Iri won, but so far, no one has stepped up to challenge him next. This was a good little match. I would say if you are someone who's pretty casual to All Japan and you're listening to this, like this is a good one to look up. I really enjoyed it. They're both excellent. Eerie is a great wrestler. Koji Doi is great. And I feel like he's kind of on a tear right now. I'm just incredibly impressed with um with Koji Doi and just how good he is in All Japan right now. So definitely go out of your way to look up this one. Yeah, Koji Doi always looks great. Like I just, just put a belt on him. Like this belt, tag team belt, like I just, he deserves it. He does. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a million more times before the end of this episode. <laughs> oh <but> yeah. <laughs> you, you gotta get those tag belts on Koji Doi and Kuma Arashi. That is like high, high priority, almost beyond anything else on my wish list of things in all Japan right now. <laughs> all three of us were just nodding there. Like, yeah, he deserves so much more. So <laughs> we will talk about that. The second title match of the day is the junior heavyweight title. We're super crazy, thankfully. Lost the title to Sugi. I am not a super crazy fan. I thought his reign was pointless. I am so mad he ruined Izanagi's first single reign as champion. I have nothing good to say except he's gone to Noah. So I never have to watch his match again. I never have to review it again. I'm sorry if you're a fan. I'm not. I was a fan when I was a kid, but now I'm an adult. I don't care. Super valid. I think this is, I think, <laughs> I think this is a very universal feeling amongst, amongst many of us. I mean, I, I felt the same way. I just, I don't, you know, I also, I have an attachment to super crazy from someone that, that really enjoyed his wrestling when I was younger. I just saw him in Vegas a couple of years ago, even like, you know, like there's something really appealing to super crazy, but not in all Japan taking this title off of Izanagi just to, you know, like drop it to Suki. It just didn't, it just didn't make any sense. It definitely felt like, you know, he's friends with Tajiri and that's just sort of what happens when you're friends with the booker. Unfortunate there, but now he's gone to Noah and we're, we're dealing with him in Paros and it's fine. It's fine. But certainly this, this didn't feel good and this didn't work. Jesse really yeah. said he's your problem now. <laughs> She really said that. Um, I actually didn't know that that was Izanagi's first singles run. So that really, uh, that breaks my heart. Yeah, like when he won the belt, um, Devil Murasaki, who we still don't know who he is, Zeus was in the ring. They were just so happy for him. And I was happy for him as well. Because All Japan needs that junior heavyweight ace now that Koji's left. So I thought maybe Izanagi could fill the hole. It's really, really hard for him to do it since he's older. And, you know, 
He's not really junior heavyweight, high flyer kind of thing. But for him to lose in the first reign and super crazy to lose in the first reign, it's just like do something better with the junior heavyweight title. Like it deserves better than this. Might be cutting ahead of ourselves because we will talk about Sugi later. But do you think Sugi could become that junior ace or not because he's not signed? I mean, I think so. He was in um, both junior tournaments, the single and tag team tournament. He seems to be sticking around. So I think he can. So main event time, Runaway Suplex, Suama and Ashino defending their world tag team titles against Nextream, Yuma and Kento. This match followed the same formula as their previous match. Yuma and Ashino wrestled most of the match with Kento and Suama popping in now and then. Ashino was definitely looking for payback against Yuma and he got it. He pinned him after the T-Bone Suplex. These two teams have crazy good chemistry. You know, Kento and Suama always puts in a good match. And ever since Ashino came to All Japan, I think Yuma is his best opponent, actually. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I thought this match was incredible. I mean, like you said, Jesse, these guys have wonderful chemistry. And also, like you said, I mean, Yuma and Ashino are the rivalry that I want to see develop. To me, that's where they have the best chemistry. They have the most heat. They just have these incredible matches together, whether it's a tag or they get to do um, a singles. I mean, they have yet to have an encounter for me that isn't super exciting. So that's what I would really like to see develop between two of them, especially as the, you know, as we talk more and we start to, you know, consider what might happen with the triple crown moving forward. Yeah, it was great. And just like a side note to this, if you don't know, Yuma is my favorite wrestler right now, but I love to see him getting beat up by Ashino and Zeus. It's like one of my favorite things to watch. He's they're great, honestly. The pairing, I'm weird, okay? I know. No. No, you're not actually. That's it's not totally normal to have yeah. a guy that beats up your favorite real good. So yeah. totally with you. After the match, after Yuma was taken to the back, Ashino proposed a match between him and Sawama for the vacant triple crown. Kento, who was still at ringside, interjected saying he should be part of that. And to everyone's surprise, Honda came to the ring. He hit a Larry on Kento and threw his name into this match. A mini tournament was made between the four men for the vacant Triple Crown Championship. And let me ask you, um, Jesse, since you're a huge fan of Yuma, how did you feel about Yuma not being a part of this tournament for the Triple Crown? I mean, I was a bit disappointed, but I think I have the same theory along with everybody else that he'll win Champion Carnival and then that will be his championship shot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, who knows in all Japan, really? Very fair. And I echo those sentiments. That is my sincere hope as well, that he was left out of this little mini tournament so that he could score a much bigger moment in the Champion Carnival. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, fingers crossed. The original day three was supposed to be on the 9th of January, but it was postponed and later cancelled because it was reported some wrestlers and one staff member had been showing fever-like symptoms. It was later confirmed that Yuma, Ashino, Haito and Masanobu Fuchi and one unnamed staff member all tested positive. This day was also supposed to be the Saito brothers' farewell match before they leave on excursion to America. They were set to wrestle Kento and Yuma. The Saito twins have already arrived in America safely and they have started their wrestling journey. The Triple Crown semi-finals kicked off and Kento Suama was first. It was your classic Kento Suama match, nothing super exciting but the finish was fun. Kento copped the roll-up pin, which was a throwback to the Royal Road semifinals where Suama got a roll-up pin on Kento. The other semifinal match was Honda versus Ashino. This was a really good showing from Honda, but that slap from Ashino oh, to man. Honda, just it rang awesome. through Corican Hall. Uh, that slap sent my soul right out of my body. <laughs> 
the suplexes were excellent and Honda getting Ashino up for that power slam just looked absolutely fantastic. It was a really good match. The main event was set, which would be Kento versus Honda for the vacant Triple Crown Championship. Total Eclipse members Koji Doi and Kuma Arashi faced off against next three members, Yuma and Atsuki, and Total Eclipse got the win here. After the match, Doi got on the mic and asked when they are getting their world tag team match after defeating the reigning champions in Tag League 2021. Next up was a three-on-one handicap match, Yoshi Katsu versus Tachibana, Yuki, and Aki. This ended in a no contest when Kazuma Sakamoto ran into the ring and attacked Tatsu. He led Tachibana, Yuki, and Aki in a triple powerbomb and they all posed over a defeated Tatsu. The Yoshi Tatsu kingdom finally is over. Sorry if that's mean. But, you know, I'm excited to see what Kazuma does with the uh, former members. I'm hoping this leads somewhere good. You know, Yoshi Tatsu kingdom was really nothing. I even forgot them in my guide to all Japan as a faction so <laughs> i'm hoping this leads to something really big and it's funny because i think you were supposed to look at like tachibana uki aki and sakamoto as heels but for, this might be my bias but they just didn't come off as <laughs> heels to me in that segment <laughs> yoshitatsu comes off as a uh, the much bigger heel in that segment so it'll be very uh very interesting to see what happens from there but entertaining nonetheless and it's always good to see Aki in all Japan. I'm excited. It seems like he'll be coming back around for some more shows, which is always great. Yeah. And another point is Kazuma works mainly in great now. So this could be another extension of their unofficial partnership. Um, very quickly, we have a promo of Zeus. He's returned to all Japan on the 5th of February. It hasn't even been two months since he left, but any Zeus in all Japan, I can take, I'll take it. Yeah, these drop-ins are great. You know, it just is, again, it's a good sign that, you know, there was no issues when he left and, you know, lots of goodwill. And um, this is almost certainly because there has been a delay to the start of Osaka Pro due to COVID-19. So it's great that he has the ability to come back and do some shows for All Japan while he's waiting to um, start up his dream project. I think that's wonderful. The first title match of day three is the All-Asia Tag Team titles. Omori and Kodama defended against Izanagi and Bevel Murasaki. There was more taping people's wrists together than there was actually wrestling. Kodama brought Izanagi to the balcony and taped his wrists to the railing while Omori pinned Devil Morisaki. And I really liked after the match when the referee was holding up uh, Omori and Kodama's hand and like, he like positioned them in front of Izanagi who's still on the balcony trying to be free. It's just like <laughs> another, you know, kick him while he's down kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, it was pretty funny. Yeah, that match actually had me smiling ear to ear. It was... <laughs> Almost, I couldn't believe I was watching it in all Japan, but um, it was just really funny. And um, yeah, all of them really seemed to be uh, biting into it and having a really good time with it. So you can't ask for anything else, really. Sugi has his first defense of the junior title against Rising Haito. Unfortunately for them, there were a couple slip-ups at the start, but once they got past that, it was a good match. Sugi was busted open while his knee landed right in Haito's face, which was a bit scary, but they both seemed fine. Atsuki said since it was the 50th anniversary of All Japan, the belt should be in someone's hand who is actually signed to All Japan. I, um, but the Rising Hayato and Sugi match was interesting. I, I do think that Rising Hayato is still um, very young and sometimes comes off a little green and he just has, he just needs a little time. You know, and I think that will come, and especially now that he's signed, you know, full-time to All Japan, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, again, just comes with time. I'm excited for Sugi to 
you know, stay champion for longer and, you know, have a couple more defenses with that belt. I do think that he's quite impressive. I think he has to stop getting his nose busted open in his matches. It's like the <laughs> second time um, in very recent memory, but I agree. It was, you know, I think they finished the match well, um, but there's just some like little holes and gaps to fix, I think, in Rising Hayato's game that kind of showed themselves within that match. But yeah, interesting, interesting stuff moving the junior division forward. And it does go back to what we were saying about Izanagi, but also going back to our very first episode of Kickout when you were talking about how the junior division needs an ace and how you hoped Izanagi would be that older ace. And now we're um, watching Sugi, who is very experienced, um, sort of having these younger wrestlers who do have a lot of history, a lot of uh, future for the company, a lot of hope for the company um, facing him. We're clearly building to a match with Atsuki, which is really going to be great. Um, It really is going to put the younger Aoyagi over. So I think that might be what we're going for. So I do also have high hopes for Suki here in the juniors. Yeah, I have to agree. My hopes for the junior title would be Atsuki eventually holds it, but it won't be for a while that he gets that match. I think at the end of each Sugi match, he'll come out and say like, I challenge, I challenge, but then someone else will come out and be like, yeah, I challenge too. And Sugi will pick the other person. But eventually, I think at Champions Night 3, Atsuki will get his opportunity asuki's already said on twitter he's gonna challenge again so we'll see if sugi picks him so main event time and it was for the vacant triple ground title i think honda really steps up here he looked great and he even got a few knee falls and you could even say kento kicked out 299 i'm sorry that's really lame but i had to add that in (laughs) (laughs) in just over 23 minutes kento delivered his shutdown suplex and won he is the 65th Triple Crown champion, and this is his fifth reign. After a bit of craziness for the Triple Crown, it seems normal and comforting to see Kento holding the belt again. Yeah, this was a great match. Honda has always looked promising. He is a natural talent, even going back to W1, because he is a W1 rookie that came over to All Japan from there. So he's always had a lot of promise, but it's just so apparent that he's ready for that main event level booking. And there were those moments, like you said, in this match where like, you know, Kento was like cooking, like kicking out the last minute. I could have believed that like Honda was going to go over at certain, certain points. So it was a tense match, but um, really good. And it, like, you know, Honda looked great. And then, I mean, like I'm a big Kento fan. So I was, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see him have the belt again. But again, like uh, there's a lot of promise for where things can go even over the next couple of weeks and heading into Champion Carnival. Yeah, I got to agree. I think Kento was the right choice, especially at this time, being the 50th anniversary, you know, and him being the ace of the company. It was only, it was always going to be Kento in the end. Sorry to Ashina and Suama and Honda, but it was always going to be Kento. Um, I think I'm probably the only person who's not crazy on the Honda train. I don't think he's there yet, his character. Mm-hmm. I think that Jake Lee getting injured really kind of pushed him forward when he wasn't supposed to get that, you know, major push to be in total clips, you know, already and all this stuff. I think he was supposed to like kind of build into it. So I think, you know, Jake not being there and them kind of like pushing Amori and Honda together wasn't supposed to happen so soon. But, you know, I'm a Honda fan. I'm happy for him, but I just don't think he's there yet. Okay, after the match, Big Japan's Abdullah Kobayashi came to the ring while Kento was midway through his post-match promo. Kobayashi was supposed to face Jake Lee on day one, but obviously that was cancelled. 
He's claiming to be the interim Triple Crown champion and proposed a unification match against Kento. Jesse, I'm interested to see what you think about this because I didn't actually get like your thoughts on how you felt about Abdullah Kobayashi challenging Jake Lee at the time either. I totally know why they're doing this. And like, I, I agree with why they're doing this. And going back to Abdullah, um, it's not the most exciting choice for me for Kento as a first defense. I, you know, I would choose probably something different. Um, it's probably going to be a very comedic match. I can already see, you know, Kento's facial expressions and all the different spots he's going to do. And I'm sure it's going to be very, very funny and very comedic, but just not the most exciting, I think, first defense for me for Kento. Honestly, I don't hate it. Like it was always going to happen. Like as soon as he Kobayashi was announced in tag league I'm like he's gonna get a title match somewhere it's just gonna happen he did that last year with the tag team belts against an extreme I don't hate it he's gonna uh Kento's gonna win you know it's just another defense for him really it was gonna be another defense for Jay but you know now it's a defense for Kento I think Kobayashi is fun you know I'm not into the death match really I just can't stand all that blood and stuff but in all Japan I don't mind him he comes in he does a couple matches he leaves comes back at the end of the year I I don't hate it as much as other people hate it (laughs) very fair he's fun he's had fun (laughs) spots like really that's the only uh real exposure I've had to him is just him showing up and like you said I can picture Kento's expressions and already and that's gonna be fun I can actually hear the noises Kento's going to make during that match um just in my head already Favorite Abdullah spot actually is from back in Tag League when Ashino was trying to um, (laughs) tape the towel to his head and he just could not get the tape off. That was funny. That was good. Yeah. But bad for Ashino. Like, Kobayashi's just like (laughs) bleeding, like pouring out of his head and he's like trying so hard to tape it up. (laughs) The last day of the tour was on the 29th of January. This was a nothing huge, you know. It was a video on demand show. There were some random single matches. Swama versus Rising Haito was a choice, but you know, it was fun. They had a lot of tag team matches building up towards next month, but there are a couple of things I just want to mention. Isami Kodaka has challenged Shigehiro Iri for the Gora TV title. Iri was originally meant to be one of Kodaka's opponents in, the, in a tag match, but had to miss the show due to having to wait for his COVID test results, which was negative, thank goodness. Koji Doi and Kuma Arashi attacked Ashino after their match against Ashino and Tamora. They played air guitar for a while before heading to the back. Um, they do have a tag team title match against Runaway Suplex in February. So that's very, very exciting. A chance for them to finally win the belts. I want them to win, but I also don't want Ashino to lose. So I'm in a tough position here. That's the life of an All Japan <laughs> fan. I'm really... Uh getting that sense there is that there's always just that slight dread of no matter what happens you don't want Ashno to lose <laughs> and the last thing I want to mention is more backstage drama for Taylor Clips Omari is still not a fan of Honda grabbing him just under the chin and pushing him away in their backstage promo so I think we're going to see something going forward like I've said before but who knows Definitely something brewing there. And it'll be interesting as we inch ever closer to um, Jake Lee coming back and what the dynamics of the group will be and how they'll shift. Definitely. So something else I wanted to talk about on Talking Triple Crown is sweet, funny, and positive moments from the month. Sometimes wrestling can be so negative and especially all Japan can get you down at times. So we wanted to just say some moments that could, you know, cheer you up that we liked during the month. So I'll start off with day one. 
Yuma and Atsuki had a little moment when everyone was in the ring when the other Yuma was announced. Atsuki's like Queen Nari's brother, like, is Swama talking about you? And Yuma's like, I don't know, is he talking about me? And then there was another Yuma and Suji moment when the other Yuma was talking. They were like, you know, sharing inside jokes and laughing. It's just little moments like that. I thought it was really cute. And it kind of gives like an insight to, you know, what they're thinking. And I don't know, I just like it. Yeah, there's a certain um, comfort, I guess, or just it makes you really happy to see the roster just getting along. Like they just enjoy being together and little moments like uh, Atsuki and Shuji sort of sharing those inside jokes really, it warms you. So I definitely agree there. Something I really liked is um, Koji Doi is a great follow on Twitter and Instagram for the, the videos that he shares of him and his daughter. He's so sweet with her. She's very young. It's really cute. He was showing her very recently a video of him and Kuma from a recent All Japan show. And she is reacting and he's saying it's Papa and it's Kuma and she's repeating it back to him. And then Yuma's music hits, his theme hits. And she reacts like, what is that? And he even like, um, Koji starts like laughing at her reaction to Yuma's theme. And it's a very sweet video. So if you can, you know, go to his Twitter or his Instagram, you can find it, but just really, really sweet. Another thing I want to mention didn't actually happen in the ring. Koji Iwamoto, who left All Japan last year, posted a picture of him with Jake Lee. They, these two were all Asia Tag Team um, champions. They were in sweepers together. They were in gym together. They were just a great tag team. And, like, I just hated when Jake portrayed Koji. I've always loved them together. So to see them in a picture and to see Jake um, looking less puffed up was great. Yeah, Jake looked really good, especially compared to that picture from several weeks back that his barber of all people posted where <laughs> he just looked so swollen after he vacated the the championship belt. So it was just really nice to see A, him with Koji, and then B, him looking much, much better. One thing I want to mention about um, Zeus coming back, the picture that they posted for him um, was hilarious. It's just like, you know, the date Zeus is coming back and it just has his big smiling face in the background and it just made me laugh it was just it was heartwarming but like hilarious at the same time no 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 better picture for him really (laughs) (laughs) and there's a great video um on twitter you can find it by going to any of next stream's pages next stream saw the saito brothers off and Rising Hayato wasn't in the video which I thought was really interesting but they pointed out later that Atsuki was holding um his phone up and Rising Hayato was on the phone, like on FaceTime um, to say goodbye to the Saito brothers. And it's just a really cute video where everyone is being peak themselves the entire time. (laughs) Just so sweet. And like we talked about before, the Saito brothers are in America now. And like, it's like, it's really good that they're over there, but like just this video of them, like all just like seeing them off before they drive away. is just really cute. I just want to quickly mention, if you follow my Twitter account, Royal Road 72, I'll be posting updates about the Saito brothers. I'll be posting, you know, where they book next. So if you are in America and feel comfortable going out and being in large crowds, please go and support them. These two are great. You know, they're a lot of fun to watch. They're former sumo wrestlers turned wrestlers, you know, just go and support them. I can't, I don't live in America. I would love to, but if you can, please go, go for me. (laughs) The next sweet moment I liked was the big man match where which I didn't talk about, was day two. It was a match. Everybody was over 190 centimeters, except for Yoshikatsu. He kind of looked out of place. 
And Suji was really upset that Ayabi from Just Tap Out was five centimeters taller than him. Suji is normally the tallest person in the ring, but it was so funny to see him like fake cry, like, you know, size up to Ayabi and to see him smaller than someone was actually really funny. And you got to feel sorry for Nikan Lee. She's a referee. She's a bit short. She was trying to read Suji and Ayabi's hand, but Suji kept on like moving his hand like further and further up and she couldn't. She was trying to jump. She couldn't make it. I just thought it was really funny. Super funny. And I highly recommend to people listening, if you don't already follow Nikan Lee on Twitter, definitely do that. She's a great follow. She posts awesome photos of everyone on the roster. And also fun fact, she used to be the one braiding Jake Lee's hair. And you should just know that. (laughs) Everybody needs to know that. She's great. Like she always supports the boys. She's always, you know, doing backstage stuff. She does everything. You'll see her at ringside taking photos of the match. You know, she's amazing. We love her. The last uh, moment I want to talk about is from day four. Yuma was desperate to get his name trained on Twitter. He wanted everybody to hashtag his name. Even backstage, his brother and him had their arms like the hashtag symbol, which actually took me a while to figure out what the hell are they doing. (laughs) I saw it's funny. He was desperate for this. And it it worked. He was trending. (laughs) Not not like in an English-speaking country, but in Japan, it was trending, his name. Good work, Yuma. (laughs) I'm proud of him, actually. So now we move on to something really fun predictions you know they're always fun to make to see if they come true if the opposite happens or you know it's just fun so to start off we have predictions for the rest of the year they can be big they can be small they can be whatever you want my predictions are kind of stupid but I just it's not really predictions it's what I want actually um I have a small one it has to do with a shino I think a shino will get different color gear besides red and black I want to see him in blue. I'm desperate to see him in blue. So that's, it can match Suwama. It's one of my predictions. I think that's a pretty and good prediction. I hope it comes true. I want to see like in a rainbow, like purple, orange, yellow, you know, it'd be fun. Look <laughs> in really red, like purple, actually. I think so. Yeah. Ashino to purple haze. <laughs> there we go. That's my prediction. Or my, lost- my, my fantasy is he betrays Suwama. <laughs> And takes over where Zeus left off. There we go. I like that. (laughs) Why not? Um, My other prediction is kind of a big one. I hope it comes true. It will like make my whole year, make my life. Um, Oyagi Brothers holding titles at the same time. Whether it be Triple Crown and Junior Heavyweight, if it's all Asia tag team, I just love to see them holding titles. Their 50th year, do something big. Give them something that like they're great talent. They deserve titles. Yeah, I think that I would probably echo that hope, that prediction. I would think that my my biggest hope for the year or my biggest prediction will be that Yuma will hold the Triple Crown at some point. I'll make that kind of broad. I'll even make it, you know, broader than just him winning at Champion Carnival because I don't know how that's going to go with Jake Lee's timing and his, and his return. So yeah, I think that's probably my biggest one that I just, I really think that it's time to pull the trigger on Yuma. And they should. And he should get his first <laughs> triple crown reign in 2022. I was just going to say, um, besides Ashina going to Purple Haze, do you have another prediction, Rachel? <laughs> I was also going to uh, go with Yuma. I just really think that they have something special. And going off of that, of course, you have um, 
Ashino and Yuma's rivalry. And I really just want to see that develop. I think that's one of the things I'm most um, invested in, in all Japan. And just, you guys said it the best when they're in the ring together or fighting on the apron or just whenever they're together, it's, it's magic. It's great. So um, that's really my hope for the year. I'll make a bolder prediction as it pertains to the, the crossover event between New Japan and All Japan. I know that people were a little displeased with how the card turned out for Noah and New Japan because of the lack of standout singles matches. So my prediction will be for the All Japan, New, the All Japan and New Japan card. I'll say that there will be at least two standout singles matches on that crossover event because of the nature of the history of the companies. Yeah, I can see that. Do you have a match in mind? You both know what match I have in mind. It's just <laughs> not the one that Jesse likes. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> Why the don't you one. tell the class, Alicia? <laughs> I have always been a proponent of Miyahara and Kazuchika Okada in a singles match because they are of the same generation. And I have a lot of interest in seeing two big aces of the same generation in a singles match like this. I think it's really really special we have not seen something like this in quite a while and this really does feel like the type of event for it in celebrating both companies 50th anniversaries so that's the significance for me hard to argue with that even though i know jesse has other plans jesse's just making faces at me right now no no i was listening to every i think it's you know okada and kento is obviously a match i want to see my favoritism goes to uh, Kento versus Tanahashi but Kento and Okada both having the belts both being the aces and both being back on top is very interesting especially right now so if they have a match together I'm not going to be disappointed like I'm not going to turn off the streaming service I'm going to watch it (laughs) well that's good to know (laughs) (laughs) I think it would take quite a lot to get you to turn off the streaming service (laughs) for all Japan show So the second predictions we want to make is actually for Champion Carnival. Usually the participants are announced in February. If we're going to go by like the last two years, there were 10 participants. So I think five men for me are 99% certain locked in, which would be Kento, Yuma, Soama, Suji, and Ashino. I didn't include Jake in that just yet because, you know, he's not back yet. He says he's going to be back in March, but like who knows? Something might happen. Fingers crossed it doesn't. But since he's not back, I didn't want to include him as being certain and locked in. My predictions for this, uh, I think a good chance to be in uh, Champion Carnival would be Shigehiro Iri. He's one of the champions. He's always showing up. Um, it would be great to see him in Champion Carnival. And I have two other ones. They were supposed to be Champion Carnival in the original 2020 lineup. I don't know if you remember that 2020 lineup, but... It was massive. And there were two people I really want to see. One from 2AW, which is Yoshida. He was part of the gym faction, so he does have ties to Old Japan. He was in Royal Road last year. Um, yeah, I just think he's great. I love to see him in Champion Carnival. My second is actually someone from Noah. So you two would know him very, very well. I don't know. Do you know who I'm going to say? I can't guess. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know. <laughs> I know who you're a huge fan of in Noah, but I don't know if that's who you're going to say mm-hmm. is going to show up in this tournament. Originally in 2020, it was supposed to be Segura. He was supposed to come over that's and right. do Champion Carnival. 
So the if he doesn't messed it up. I'll lose my mind if he comes back. Wow, Jesse, that's smart. Good, good. Yeah, good prediction for that. That would be cool. And that works well with my prediction, actually, <laughs> is that, and I just sort of pulled this out just because I want to see it, but I would like to see uh, Masato Tanaka um, in Rachel. the tournament. What's that? I said, damn it, Rachel, because I was going to say Tanaka too. <laughs> yeah, it's just a good one. <laughs> I'd love to see that. And you just, now with this perfect lineup, you can't say no to another <laughs> Sugiura Tanaka match. They can just do that until they retire. And then of course, uh, I was wondering if they might put in Honda. That's something to to think about. Yeah, I had that thought as well, but if Jake's gonna be back, I don't know if they're gonna do something there. So I didn't wanna include him because I was, for me, that's a maybe, it's like a 50-50. Do you have any more predictions, either of you? I definitely thought about Tanaka because they usually have like some sort of zero one representation and that would just make sense. And it would be so cool to see him participate in Champion Carnival. Shinjiro Otani, I mean, he was like one of my favorite parts of last year's Carnival before he ended to um, be removed from the tournament early. So I would really like to see him, you know, participate again. He's usually like a, he's pretty a pretty regular participant mm-hmm. if I remember correctly he's been a part of it in recent years at least so I would like to see that again and then what was interesting in looking back at some of the more recent champion carnival participants Kuma Arashi was part of 2020s he did not he was not a part of the 2021 participants so I'm wondering if we'll see Kuma come back into the fold if he'll be overlooked again I think Koji Doi is probably a really good um, there's really a good chance that he'll be a part of this year's too so I think those are I mean I think Koji Doi is probably a lock really yeah, Koji Doi participated last year, but like he was booked terribly. Like he won yeah. I think one match and then he had like two count outs. Yeah, he might have had the least amount of points in the hmm. in the standings at the end, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I think so. So if he is in this uh champion carnival, I hope he's booked better. But also I'd love to see some surprises. It's a 50th year. If they can get someone big from another company, that'll be great. We'll certainly hope for the best when it comes to surprises. <laughs> So these were our predictions, but we want to hear from you. If you have any predictions, tag Kickout299 and Royal Road 72 on Twitter and let us know who you think is going to be in Champion Carnival. And if you think we're wrong, please be nice. <laughs> Coming up next for All Japan is February's tour, and that is the Excite Series tour. That will start on the 5th of February, and several championship matches have already been planned, so it's a packed month. If you're wondering how to get into All Japan, they can be watched at ajpw.tv for 900 yen a month. They run about four to six shows a month and more for bigger tournaments like Champion Carnival or Tag League. The shows are mixed between live and video on demand. Video on demand shows will be uploaded the next day and in some rare cases, uploaded a few hours after the show. All Japan doesn't have really have big storylines or a big roster, so it's very easy to jump in at any time. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Kickout 299 and Talking Triple Crown. We hope you enjoyed the first episode and maybe you were even able to learn something about All Japan. You can follow my AJPW account at Royal Road 72 and also at Sister Jessie, which is double S-I-double-E. You can read my reviews at Gay on Twitter. If you want to follow me, Alicia, you can do so at Shuranui Kai with two eyes on Twitter. And if you wish to find me, Rachel, you can do so on Twitter at Milky Star, that's M-I-I-K-Y star. And of course you can find both of us at 
kickout299. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next month for the Excite Series Talk.